Amen. You can go ahead and grab your seat. Well, again, welcome to Redeeming Grace Church this Christmas morning. If you're visiting with us, we're grateful that God brought you to be with us this morning. If you're a longtime member here, we're glad to be able to worship with you on this Christmas day. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And if we haven't had the chance to meet, we'd love to be able to do that after our gathering today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And Tracy's going to be reading our sermon text. So listen to the word of the Lord. Luke 2, 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. Amen. Let's pray. God of mercy and God of grace, we praise you today. God, you are high and lifted up. But God, you also draw near and dwell among us in sending Christ, your son, to us. And so, God, we pray that... Right now, as we open up your word by your spirit, that you would help us this Christmas morning to see and to savor Jesus. God, would you give all of us, no matter where we are on our journey with you, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see today? We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, these, these days, invitations to different events, whether it be a, a birthday party or a wedding or a baby shower or a retirement party, can come in, in many different forms. There's the classic paper invitation that actually gets put in your mailbox. Those can be super formal or informal, but they expect you to reply and actually put the card back in the mail and send it back. There's the electronic invite that comes and all you have to do is click on a button to respond. Or there's the classic just informal invite for whatever happens to be going on, maybe a text message or a face-to-face invitation to come over. Whatever the method of invitation is, the basic desire is the same for all of them. Someone wants your presence at something. Well, today, Christmas Day, we're continuing in our Advent series, Light in the Darkness. Yesterday for Christmas Eve, we saw the good news of the glorious birth of Jesus. And this unexpected announcement made not to the rich and the powerful, but to a bunch of unassuming shepherds in a field at night. But within that announcement, there was an invitation. Let's look back at verses 11 and 12. If you have your Bible, you can look back a few verses from our main sermon text this morning. The angel says this to these shepherds. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The angel isn't telling them this good news just for the sake of information. He wants the shepherds to go do something with that. He wants them to go and find this child. This is an invitation. It's an invitation to go to Bethlehem and see. It's an invitation to adoration. Adoration is about reverence. It's about worship. Adoration is about the object of our affection, the object of our love. If we adore someone or something, we're saying we we love that thing. It captivates us. As we get into our text today, we'll see that that's what happens when the shepherds encounter Jesus. What I want us to see in this is that this invitation to adoration isn't just for them. It's for you and for me as well. 
And it isn't just for the Advent season. It's for every day of your life until our King comes again. My hope for you today, this Christmas morning, is simple. I want you to truly come and adore Jesus. I want you to come and adore Jesus. Because when you do, when you adore Christ, it'll be for your good and for your joy and for your peace in the midst of the messy world we find ourselves in. So let's jump into Luke 2. And may God bless the preaching of his word. Now, before we get into our text today, I want to review a little bit about what we heard last night because all of this ties together. It's a, a part one and a part two of a developing scene that Luke is relating to us here in this passage. We saw yesterday in our text that the most powerful man in the known world, Caesar, is seeking to show how great he is by counting all of his people. But at the very same time, the God of the universe is showing how great he is and how much he loves his people by becoming one of them. The one who Gabriel told his mother Mary would rule and reign forever is born, but he's born into the humblest of circumstances. And who gets to the first word of this amazing birth? Not who we would expect. No, no, the angel comes to unassuming shepherds keeping watch over their flocks in the night, and he announces the birth of the Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Savior, the one who's come to rescue and redeem. See, all of us have sought to go our own way. We've wanted to be the Lord of our own life, and that's created a separation between us and God. We can't reconcile that problem. We can't fix that problem. So when the angel comes to announce this, what he's saying is the rescuer has come. The promised one has come. The Lord of lords, the King of kings, God himself has come. And he gives them a sign so they'll know that it's him. Verse 12 again says, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. You can imagine the shepherds saying like, okay, got it. Like that's what babies are wrapped in. Sounds good. And then he says he'll be lying in a manger. Wait, what? A manger? Like the thing that animals eat out of, the Savior, the promised one, the Messiah, the Lord, will be lying in a feeding trough? Yes. Look for him there. Look for his humble beginnings and circumstances. Look for someone like you. See, they don't have much time to think of what's going on here or really ask any questions because all of a sudden they're surrounded by a host of angels who are singing and praising God. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Which brings us to our text today where we begin to see this invitation to adoration unfold. Look at verses 15 and 16 again. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. All of a sudden, the angels are gone. I mean, can you imagine this experience? In the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, all these different things happen, including an army of angels singing praises to God. So now what are they supposed to do? Have you ever had someone tell you something that seems almost too good to be true or hard to believe? A common response to that might be, I'm not sure. I've got to see it to believe it. See, the intention on the angel telling them this amazing news isn't just for the shepherds to sit back and think on it. It isn't for them to debate it or 
think, oh, that sounds nice. It must be nice. It's for them to go and do something, to go and see. And like any invitation, there's an expected response. So the shepherds look to one another. They don't deliberate. They don't discuss. They don't deduce if this is worthwhile or real. They don't even think about whether or not they should find somebody else to watch their sheep. They don't respond with skepticism. They respond with faith. See, the angel is inviting them to go and see Jesus, and that's exactly what they do. I'm sure you can imagine they're still trembling, minds still swimming a bit. They make this quick decision. We need to go see this baby. And this makes sense because you can't hear news like this. You can't have an experience like this and not respond. The same thing is true not only for the shepherds, but for us now. We can't hear good news of great joy like this, that the Redeemer has come, the Rescuer has come, and not respond. Notice in verse 16, it says they went with haste. They didn't take the scenic route. They didn't, again, find somebody maybe to figure out who was going to hang with the sheep while they went to see this baby. They didn't put up and out of office on their email. They didn't clear their schedules. They didn't check with anyone else. They go with haste. I picture these guys running across the fields, jumping fences, running through creek beds to make their way to this town of Bethlehem to try and find this baby. How would they find him? He'll be lying in a manger, the only one. This town is full of people. I can imagine them going door to door, trying to ask different people, have you seen, have you heard anything? Do you know where this baby might be? They go to behold him, the one who is the king of the angels who have just announced his birth. They run to see the savior of the world. And they find him, just as the angel said, lying in a manger. Now, you can also imagine what Mary and Joseph would be thinking or feeling in this moment. It's already been a crazy time for them. They're not in their hometown. They just gave birth. Mary just gave birth to a baby in a place that wasn't comfortable. They laid him in a place where animals eat their dinner, and all of a sudden, these shepherds show up. Like, who are you, and why in the world are you here? How did you know about this? This is where I don't want us to, to be lost on us, that... These shepherds are not only the ones who the angel first announced the birth of Jesus to, but these are Jesus' first visitors. I mean, if you've had kids or you've gone to see a new baby in your family be born, or when they come home, that's usually who comes around, right? The family members or friends, but these are strangers. These are Jesus' first visitors. Why? Why is this who God announces Jesus' birth to first? Why are they the ones invited to come and see Jesus first? Because our God brings good news. He brings the best news to all people. This news of the Savior being born isn't for the elite. It isn't for the worldly wise. It's not just for those who know a lot or have a lot. It isn't for just certain people that look a certain way or speak a certain language. It's for the simple. It's for the ordinary. It's for all people. Jesus was born into humble circumstances, so he brings this good news to the humble. See, the angel didn't announce the good news to the shepherds because they were good. He announced good news to the shepherds because God is good, and he's gracious, and he's merciful. It's good news, the best news for people who know they don't have it all together. That means it's good news for you and for me too. You know, we're a lot more like the shepherds than we might like to think. Most of us aren't famous or powerful, never will be. 
Most of us are not of noble birth, just like these shepherds, shepherds whose names are not even recorded. We don't know how many there are or who they are because they're not the focus of the story. We're not the focus of the story. No, this story is about the one who has come. It's about the Savior who is Christ, the Lord. He has come to them. He has come to you. This is indeed good news, the most amazing news of great joy. So what happens once they get there, when they arrive? Look at verse 17. It says, and when they saw it, when they saw what the angel had said, what actually happened, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They tell everyone what was told to them. What they do is they testify to the good news of great joy. They testify to who this child is and who this child will be. It's the same message the angel told Mary and told Joseph. And we see the shepherds responding in this way because this is what happens when you come and see Jesus. You can't help but talk about him. You can't help but testify about him. Who's God put in your life who you can testify about this good news of great joy? And as they testify, it elicits other responses from those who are there. Look at verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. It seems maybe some other people have started to gather. Maybe the shepherds, as they were going around asking people where this baby might be, other people are curious now, and they've come around as well. We don't know who all is there, but whoever it is, they're perplexed. They're amazed at what they're hearing. Looking at this newborn child with these unexpected visitors, it says all who heard it wondered. They wondered at what was said. They wondered at Jesus. But Mary, Mary responds a bit differently. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I've got four kids, and I've looked at my kids' faces many times as they've grown up from newborn to however old they each are right now, and I've at different times been in awe of them, even moved by the complexity of who they are, these little people made in God's image. But you know what I've never done? I've never looked at them and had the slightest idea or thought that they were for my rescue, that they came for my redemption. I can't imagine what's going on in Mary's heart and head in this moment. This baby she's just given birth to. This is her child. The one who Gabriel said would be the king of kings, who he told her to name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. This is her child who also is her savior. She hears the words of these strangers and she treasures them in her heart. She thinks deeply on what has been said. The angel already communicated these things to her. Now all of it's coming to fruition. This is really, this is really the son of God. I imagine with a smile on her face as she beholds the face of her son, God's son, Christ her king, who one day will, she will see crucified even for her and for you. And for me. And the shepherd's faith is confirmed. It's deepened. They have this invitation to go and see Jesus, and they go and they see him and they testify about him. And so their faith is strengthened in that moment as they see this child face to face, and it leads them to do what the angel invited them to do. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
the angel came to announce the birth of Christ. And within this announcement was this invitation to come and see Jesus, to come and adore Jesus. And that's exactly what they do. When they encounter Jesus, it's the only thing they can do. They see him and they respond in adoration. They respond in worship. See, they don't just go check out the scene out of curiosity. It isn't just a quick peek with, oh, that's nice sentimentality. No, they go with haste. They run to see Jesus. They testify in faith. And we don't know how long they spend with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, but when they leave, they leave in awe of what they're seeing. They leave in worship. They leave glorifying and praising God for all they've seen and heard. They come to behold. They come to adore the word of God made flesh, and their lives would never be the same after this moment. See, knowledge of who Jesus is is never meant to remain just knowledge. It's never meant to just be in our heads, but actually to move to our hearts and affect the entirety of our lives. It's meant to lead us to worship. Not just for these shepherds, but for us as well. And so this Christmas morning, like the angel to the shepherds, I want to invite you to do the same thing. I want to invite you to come and see Jesus. I wanna invite you to come and adore him, not just today, but every day. And whether Jesus is new to you or you've been following him and celebrating Advent for years and years, my encouragement is the same. As you come and adore him, don't hesitate, run with haste. Run with haste like the shepherds. Christmas time can be a season of great joy and fun, but it also can be a season of distraction. It can be a painful time for some of us. It also can just remind us of this time of year as it's darker and darker outside and colder and colder. Just the brokenness of our world. We're confronted with disappointments. We're front, confronted with discouragements. If that's where you are, run with haste. Run with haste. Come and behold and adore. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Not after you get your act together. Not after you clean up your life but in the midst of the mess. This has been helpful for me this Advent season, thinking about all the different things that are going on in the world and all the different things that are going on in my own life and how easy it is for me to be discouraged or distracted and just a simple invitation for me to come again and adore Jesus, to calm and quiet my soul before him. That's why this season and celebration of Advent is important, not just then, but now, the world at the time of Jesus' birth was dark too. There were lots of difficult things going on for the people of God. They were struggling in different ways. Maybe some of you are struggling this morning. But as Wendell Berry, the author, succinctly said, it gets darker and darker than Jesus is born. Then Jesus is born. Let's not forget in the midst of all that's going on that light has broken into the darkness. Let's not forget that darkness will not overcome the light. It will not overcome Jesus. He has come and he will come again. What this means is, is, just as we sang a few moments ago, we can be joyful, we can be worshipful even now in the midst of our life, not because of all the circumstances of your life or my life are wonderful and perfect and comfortable, not because we figured out the secrets of success, not because you look at someone else and think at least I'm better than they are, no, you can be joyful and worshipful because Jesus is like you and he came for you. 
He came to us as one of us to rescue us. I can be joyful and worshipful in my life, not because I've defeated all of my fears and all of my foes, but because Jesus went to a cross and he rose again from the grave to triumph over and defeat my greatest enemy, my own sin and the death I deserve to die because of it. And he did that for you too. You can be joyful. You can be worshipful this morning because Jesus has walked this path before you and he's walking with you still. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. See, this story we're reading about this morning, for some of us I know, is really familiar to us. We've heard it over and over and over again. Even if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, my guess is you have some familiarity with this. But I want us to see this isn't a normal story. This is an invasion. The Son of God has come into the brokenness. He's behind enemy lines on a rescue mission. He's stepped into the darkness to shine the light of grace in your life to provide the only way for you and for me to be made whole, the only way for us to be made new, the only way, only way to have everlasting peace and abounding joy. Listen, the hope of the world is not found in white houses, castles, or capitals. It isn't found in bank balances or end of year bonuses. It's found in a manger. It's found on a cross. It's found at an empty tomb. It's found in Jesus. So let me ask you, does what you know about Jesus, who he is and what he's done, does it lead you to adore him? Does it lead you to be infatuated with him, captivated by him, giving your affections and your love to him? Maybe you find yourself sitting here this morning knowing or realizing that you know about Jesus, but you don't really know him. That's okay. Everyone is on a spiritual journey. I believe in God's providence and sovereignty. You're here today. You're hearing this good news. Maybe you're realizing you don't have that adoration for Jesus. You've never really known what it looks like to have a relationship with him. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come and see him today. Place your faith in him. Place your trust in him. Come back and gather with us on Sundays. Get connected here in this community We also have a class coming up starting in January called Christianity Explored, where you can open up God's word in a safe place and ask whatever questions you have, because we want you to come and see Jesus. For many of us who are already followers of Jesus, this is an invitation for us to refocus our hearts and our minds and our lives, because I know, at least for me, it's easy for me not to be in awe of Jesus. It's easy for me to adore too many small things, to be taken in by too many less glorious things. Do you know what I mean? Like shiny things grab my attention. I want to focus my attention on that. They get in the way sometimes. I need help to refocus on what is actually glorious. Maybe you do as well. We need help to keep coming to see Jesus. You and I don't get to see like the shepherds saw, but we can see and hear through the pages of God's word that are living and active. We can see and hear by the work of the spirit in our hearts and minds testifying to us that this is the son of God and the savior of the world. We can come and see and we can come and adore as we spend time together with God's people, united together to lift up the name of Christ as we praise him through song and through our gatherings. 
And the amazing thing is when you adore something, when you adore someone that's actually worthy of your adoration, it brings true joy. Because everything else that has occupied your heart, everything else that has occupied your mind, that has sought to steal your joy or promise you temporary jolts of joy, they start to fade in the background because we see what they're really worth in light of who Jesus is. Maybe it's your sin or your struggle that you're having right now or something else you've been captivated with. But when I set my gaze on Christ, that pushes to the background. So as we, we wrap up one year and head to the next, amidst all of the noise and the clatter of all the challenges and difficulties that are right in front of us in a very real way, let me invite you again to come and adore him, to come and behold him, Jesus the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. May we live a life of adoration, a life of exaltation with Jesus at the center, not because life is neat and orderly, but because of the one who has come to us to rescue us and the one who will come again and make all things new because he is worthy. Amen.